Hello. How was your weekend? I always love getting the dirt on the kids up here. Um, when I was a children's pastor at Bethlehem Covenant, um, we had a lot of Minnehaha teachers in our community. And um, <laughs> this one little boy named Arna, and I think Arna's like, he's probably in college right now, but he was up at the front, and it was right around Christmas time. And um, I always just did a little check-in. We'd gather, and how was your weekend? And Arna's like, I'm like, yes, Arna. And he said, I went to the liquor store with my dad this weekend, and I fell. And I was like, I just tried, like, I'm, I was so, I didn't know what to do. And I'm looking at his dad, and his dad's looking at me, and his dad's smiling because his dad was loving it because his, his dad is awesome and thought that was hilarious. And, and Arna thought I didn't hear him, so he <laughs> raised his hand again. And he said it even louder, so the whole church heard, and everybody was laughing. And I was like, and you are out, uh, you're outed. <laughs> Like, it was so funny. I have to ask him if he ever remembers that experience because it was pretty funny. Um, let's pray this morning as we start together. Oh God, I thank and praise you for this day. Thank you, God, for the freedom we have to worship together. Thank you, God, that we get to be here, that we get to be in each other's presence, in your presence, Lord. Lord, thank you that you are the one who calms our fears and gives us confidence. And so, Lord, would we have strong confidence in you? And would we hear from your, um, your word today? And God, would we just be still and, and allow you to do the work that you intend to do within each one of us? And we thank and praise you and love you, Jesus. Amen. So I'm Pastor Carrie. I'm the lead interim pastor here at New City. So if we haven't met, hello. And I welcome you today. Um, one thing that as we start, you know, we're going to, and Jamie alluded to this, we're going to be using the Red Book during Advent. And I'm really excited about that because I will be preaching from the lectionary text for the next four weeks. And I'm excited that we get this rich time together where we're reading reflections during the week and, and thinking and processing. So I think it's going to be a really beautiful time together um, throughout Advent. I wanted to read you something from the Blue Book that I read this past week because I have been in the Blue Book this year. Um, and it was, and it really spoke to me, and it, it connected to what we're talking about today. And it's um, as we prepare for Advent to start next week. Today we're talking about um, certainty and uncertainty, and that will launch us into Advent because the first reading next week is going to be on um, waiting and watching. And so the I felt like God was really preparing me this week for what I'm going to be thinking about next week. And it was in in this reading to um, for this week in the Blue Book. And it's um, written by St. Teresa of Avila. And she said, Likewise, um, I have already said that we cannot speak with God in the world at the same time. And that is what one does who says her prayers around at the same time listens to conversation going on around her or thinks whatever comes into her mind without checking the thoughts. Sometimes, however, no matter how much a person tries, she cannot control these distractions either because of some indisposition, particularly if she is inclined to be melancholy or to have a weakness of mind. And this is what caught me. She said, sometimes too, God allows his servants to have stormy days for their greater good. And although they are distressed and seek to calm themselves, they are unable to do so. No matter what they say, they cannot pay attention to the words they are saying. Their minds cannot concentrate on anything, but wander so haphazardly as to seem a prey to frenzy. From the pain this causes them, they will know that the fault is not theirs. 
Let them not be distressed, for that makes matters worse, and let them not tire themselves seeking to infuse sense into an understanding which is at the moment incapable of it. But let them pray as well as they can, and even not pray at all, but consider the soul to be sick and give it some rest, busying themselves in some other act of virtue. So that was, you know, St. Teresa writes, just very complicated at times, but what caught me was she said, sometimes, too, God allows his servants to have stormy days for their greater good, and although they are not distressed and seek to calm themselves, they're not able to do so. But then she, she kind of comes back to, and you know what? At that same time, find something that God will allow to distract yourselves. Find something that will allow you to think on something else and let him do the work within. And, and that was comforting to me because I think right now we have so many things that are coming at us in the world, um, in our families, in our churches, in our communities, and it's, it's a lot and things seem certain at one point and then all of a sudden uncertain. And, and I think right now in our world, we're all just trying to hang on to something. Um, an early symbol in the Christian church was an anchor. And actually, a lot of churches were built in the form of a ship. If you go into um, churches that were built, I feel like right around the um, early 1900s to 1940s, um, the, the, the ship or the architecture of the church would be like an upside-down ship. And... And the, the reasoning that was that it symbolized us being carried by God in a storm. Um, and an early symbol was the anchor, and Christ being the anchor, and the anchor is something that we can look to that keeps us grounded and keeps us steady when we're in a boat and we're going all over the place. And so, so today I just pray that God will give you something to remind you that he is your anchor, he is the certain thing, he is the one that will hang on to you and even... It doesn't feel like there's anything to hang on to. Uh, this past week, I had something kind of crazy happen to me. I don't even think I told Jamie and Claire about it. Um, and it reminded me of how much I need God to remind me of, of his certainty and his, his power and his control. And it kind of speaks to the first thing of like, what are the certain things you know for sure? I left here, <laughs> I left here on Tuesday. Um, I went to go get my flu shot at the Faribault Clinic. And I have a flu shot every year. I have asthma and some other health stuff, so I always get a flu shot. And the nurse like, do you want to stay? You know, usually tell people, say, I'm like, ah, I'm fine. I get a flu shot every year. I'm good. I'm sure you guys have an idea of where this is going. <laughs> um, so I'm driving away from Faribault, and we live in Oatana. And um, about five minutes after I left, I had this, like, warm thrush over me. And I'm like, huh, this feels like what middle-aged women say is a hot flash. And I'm like, huh, that was weird. And then, and then I had this burning sensation in my face. And I'm like, look in the mirror, I'm like, my face is kind of red. And I'm like, I'm driving, I'm like, I'm sure I'm fine. And then my ears were bright red, like red, red. And I'm like, this is not normal. And then my chest and my throat were flushing and blotching. I'm like, I'm having an allergic reaction to the flu shot. Driving, so I um, take a Benadryl. I had an old sandwich that I crushed it down with, and I'm looking in the mirror, I'm like, ah, my mouth is kind of funny. So I have an EpiPen with me because I have allergies, and I give myself an EpiPen shot while I'm driving, and I go to the ER, and I walk in, I'm like, I think I'm having an allergic reaction to a flu shot. And they're like, okay. So I spent the next six hours in the ER at Oatana Hospital. And, and then had this, this um, crazy ride of, and if you've ever had an <laughs> allergic reaction, um, IV, I get another EpiPen shot, um, 
Maybe Pepsid in the IV. I know I see Aaron's like concerned face right now. So I had a very unexpected. As I left here, New City, thinking my night. I had my plans. It was Taco Tuesday. We had ideas we were gonna do. My night did not go anything like it was gonna go. And um, I'm okay. Obviously, I'm here. I'm fine. Good. But in that time frame, I wasn't doing very good. Um, you know, with epinephrine, your heart rate will jack up and jack down. So at one point it was like at 140 beats a minute and I'm hitting my nurse button and then nobody was coming. And I'm like, help, help, help. I mean, I'm not proud of how I, how I behaved. I was a little, um, the, the, the wheels were off the bus a little bit. I'm just going to tell you that. And I had to really do my practice of trusting God. I was praying. I'm like, Lord, I know you've got me. I know that I am, I belong to you. I know that no matter if I live or die, I'm okay. I got you, but I was scared. And I felt, I, had, I felt terrified. And it just will be, and I thought about telling you guys, it's been like, I'm talking about uncertainty this week. I'm like, I'm gonna tell the church what happened on Tuesday. <laughs> and I had to anchor into what I know for sure. And I had to anchor into my eternity is secure in Christ, no matter what is happening right now. And I will tell you that as my heart rate went up and down, I struggled with that. You know, and it, and it hit me too of how um, my faith was practiced very much in that moment. And I think we all have moments that may not be in the ER, but it could be in our families, it could be in our finances, it could be in our um, jobs, it could be in so many things. I'm sure you're thinking of many things where it's our our heart life and our circumstances are like that heartbeat going up and down. And so where is God in the constant? Where is he meeting us in those moments when we feel like we are out of control? And I wanted to remind you of a few things that I was dwelling on this week. First of all, God's word promises that Jesus is risen. We are Easter people. That's the first thing I love to say on Easter Sunday is he is risen, he is risen indeed. Because Jesus is risen, it means he has defeated death, fear, the devil, and that is like the ultimate hope. As we come to Advent, we are reminded of this rich word, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is God with us. We have him when he is our Lord and Savior. It comes from the Old Testament. You know, when Joshua was given his marching orders and, um, and he was wondering, you know, and, and Moses said, the Lord will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Be strong, be courageous. Reminded of yourselves this morning, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And next slide. And still, we have this difficulty with uncertainty. And uncertainty really brings us to some funny places. It, it kind of will inform what we do and what do we don't do. And I think, you know, right now in our world, I feel like we, we have lived almost through two years of a lot of uncertainty. It's like, uncertainty, is this event going to happen? Is the world going to shut down for a while? Can I go to this place? Can I be with those people? How, how do I do my job? How do I um, hang out with people? Next slide. And, and I feel like we, we meet that by trying to control. In our staff meeting this past week, I asked Jamie and Claire, I'm like, what do you guys think of when you think of uncertainty and certainty? And, and it really came down to two words, faith and trust. And, I, and also, and Claire mentioned control. Often when things are uncertain, we really don't tolerate that well. And then we try to control it by doing what we do. You know, we'll try to control a situation like, okay, I'll do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do this. And then we get results that may not be what God wanted for us. 
Or we go to a place of being like catatonic and we do nothing and we feel helpless. And that's a terrible feeling too. I don't know if any, if this is, you know, resounding with any of you. But I think when, when things are uncertain, we either will problem solve and we'll do this and this, or we, or we just come to a place where we, we're helpless and we're like deer with headlights in our eyes and we don't do anything. And so I wanted to remind you of some scriptural examples that speak to how do we live in this tension? And really, it is a tension. I think like our church is feeling that tension right now. You know, COVID, COVID happened. Um, your pastors that founded this church moved on. And, and we've dealt with this place of uncertainty of like, God, what are you doing? Where are you at work? What do we do? How, how do we do this? And so we're, in this, we're kind of in this loop right now. And I really feel like God is stretching us and growing us in the tension and in the uncertainty. So some scriptural examples I want to share with you come from Luke 22. So if you got your Bible or your Bible app, um, turn to Luke 22, 39 to 46. And this is, you know, when I, when I was these two just came to mind this week as I was preparing, and, and this is such an important thing because Jesus had a Jesus came to save us. He is our He is our Savior. He's the Messiah, and Jesus was also human, and so that always gives me so much comfort to know that Jesus understands how we feel. He understands our humanity. He understands our struggles because he too struggled. And so, as Jesus was in the garden, in Luke twenty two thirty nine to forty six. We, we get a glimpse of the struggle um, as he was preparing to be crucified. He was preparing to give his life for ours. And it's in this prayer in the Mount of Olives. It says, Luke twenty two thirty nine. Jesus went on as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And Jesus separated himself from them. He withdrew. It says about a stone's throw. I don't know how far that is. I know how I can throw a stone. It's not very far, but stone's throw beyond. And he knelt down and prayed. And this, is, this gave me so much comfort this week. Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Not, yet not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus was struggling with, with the uncertainty that would lay before him. He, he knew he had to give up his life. And he also knew like he didn't know what it was going to be like to give up his life and he was struggling with that. He's like, God, I want your will and maybe if there's another way, do it another way but at the end of the day, your will be done. It says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Just shows the stress and the duress that Jesus was under. Then he rose from prayer and he went back to his disciples. He found them asleep, (laughs) exhausted from sorrow. And he said, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. It just gives us an, a little peek into that Jesus was struggling with the uncertainty that was before him. And that gives me so much comfort knowing Jesus gets us. He understands us. And then we go to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1-10. through 10. And this speaks to the, the tension that we have while we live here in this body, in this time, in our space and time and earth. And the Apostle Paul acknowledges some, some tensions. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, he said, he know, we know that if the earthly tent, meaning our body we live in, is destroyed, 
We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So he's, he's acknowledging that we have these, he calls it being groaning and being burdened. It's like, you know, the uncertainty and the things that are happening to us in this life and this time that we have is hard. And we have this longing for heaven, but we also have this, this time of responsibility where we live here and now. But he, he rounds it up and he says in verse six, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. So we have this push and pull, this tension of like heaven's our home and, and it's, I think if we only knew how awesome heaven was gonna be, we probably wouldn't wanna live here, but we don't know. There's so much mystery to that. But he says, no matter what, we're always confident in where we're going to be. And he says, we live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and would prefer to be at home from the body, at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And and I think that's such an encouragement to say, you know what, at the end of the day then, with the uncertainty, with the the pull and the push of living here and knowing that heaven's our home and and we have something to accomplish here, he says, no matter what, he says, make it your goal to please the Lord. Make it your goal to trust him and live by faith and keep your eyes on him. So this comes to, to, as we prepare for Advent, of living in the already and the not yet. That's, that's, um, that's study of eschatology. It means that we know that God has accomplished something here with Jesus' death and resurrection, but there's also something waiting. So we live in this tension. The, we call it the already and the not yet. It means that there's something waiting and coming that we are expecting, but that God has already done something incredible right here. So we live in God's promises right here, and we also have God's promises to live into someday in heaven. And so it's, it's this kind of uncomfortable waiting. I feel like it's, um, it's this discomfort that's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever had like something in your shoe when you've been going and you know that there's something in there and there's something that you got to get out, but you got to press on. And so we have something that God is doing and we have to live with some of that discomfort right now. Some, some points for growth for us. And I, and I say this to you as we, as we live in what God has already done and what is yet to come is that right now, because there's uncertainty, there's uncertainty in our world everywhere. You know, I think the good thing of COVID is it kind of exposed some things that were maybe like hidden from our eyes of uncertainty and it made us more aware of uncertainty. I think we have lived where we'll make plans. We're like, yep, I know exactly what I'm going to do tomorrow, next day. You know, we, we plan out. Some of us have calendars that are planned months in advance. And I think what's happened to us is we've had to live moment by moment and we really can't live with some of the plans that we thought we had. And so the growth for us in this is first of all, I, I really feel, um, I wanna encourage you to help, help you look to God to increase your distress tolerance. Um, I read an article this past week um, that was really, really pointed, and, and it was um, written to college students 
and I wanted to share a few points of it. Um, it was written too from a psychological viewpoint, and I'm also a therapist, and so I, I appreciated some of the points that were brought up in this. Um, and some of them come from DBT therapy, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. And DBT therapy is, is really um, beneficial because it helps people tolerate distress. It's, it's highly efficacious in helping people who are su suicidal or engaging in self-harm. Um, it's, it's effective with post-traumatic stress disorder. But I think for us, it's helpful to say when you have that skill, it helps you tolerate and acknowledge your emotions and not try to run from them or hide from them, but to acknowledge and be like, yep, I'm feeling a lot of things right now. And it helps you just be okay to, to say, yep, I have all these feelings and, and they're not going to you know, freak me out or make me do rash things, but to just be okay in them. So this article um, said a couple things. It says we can focus on spiritual well-being. It means in helping God helping us with this helps us also recognize his sovereignty. No matter the trial you face, you know that God is at the helm. You can rely on God's strength even in moments of doubt or fear. The psalmist says in Psalm 135, 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. And for those of us who trust in God, it means he's working all things for good. And so in his sovereignty, that can give us tremendous comfort during really troublesome circumstances. So I want you to just think about like, even though our church has gone through some trouble of like wondering where are people? Are they coming back? Who's coming? What are we doing? Where are we going? It means God is working all this for good and we get to be part of it. It means as a Christian, we must walk by faith. Faith creates trust in God and implies how to act among challenging circumstances. Trusting in God brings astounding peace in the midst of a storm. We also can focus on emotional well-being. It means that we, we live in a state where we can't ignore our feelings. And you need to know your feelings are valid, even if they're overwhelming. While you shouldn't allow them to control you and rob the joy you do in the Lord, you do acknowledge them. And that kind of comes to the, some of that um, distress tolerance. You acknowledge it, you, you don't ignore it, and you don't run from it or try to numb it, but you face it. Learning to state that what you feel is a matter-of-fact way and then you turn those feelings over to God, it's one way of the first steps of helping you obtain joy, of saying, God, yep, I'm feeling really scared right now. And then you, you say, and Lord, will you replace that fear with trust? And so it's, it's acknowledging and holding it. Um, this writer says, when fear takes over, seek God. If your focus is on God's promises more than the temporary physical circumstances, your faith will increase while your fear decreases. Just hold that for a second. When fear takes over, seek God. If your focus is on God's promises more than the temporary physical circumstances, your faith will increase while your fear decreases. That, that is what I, I prayed for our church this past week that we would not look at the temporary circumstances of right now, but that we would let our faith increase and that we would see what God is doing and get excited and join him in that, which makes me excited that we're having this meeting today after church. And then this writer says to focus on relational well-being. We must learn to build and grow relationships with other people while dealing with our struggles. It means that we don't isolate, that we don't um, hide and, and maybe pretend like everything's fine when maybe it's not. Continuing to connect with others is important when trying to get through trying times. And it's really important to remember that we, we don't just think about um, ourselves in this. We remember that we're all going through something. Others are also struggling. 
And we need to pay attention to what's going on all around us so that we don't keep our focus just on the things that we're scared of and afraid of, but we meet them together as a community. Um, as a church and as, as Christians, we practice active waiting. We practice that active waiting that says we are expectant that God is doing something and we also are prepared for what he is going to do and join him in that. And then the third thing that, that I really feel like we have to lean into is that we make decisions in faith and not fear. That we don't be like, okay, God, I'm really scared. I'm gonna make choice A because it seems like the easiest one, but in that act of waiting, we wait and we keep our eyes on him and we look to see where he is working and confirming that. Um, some reflection time that I wanted to give you today is um, what things can you be certain about today? Um, one thing that... Um, I do as a therapist with people when, when there is um, anxiety and uncertainty is we do a grounding technique with our five senses. It's so easy, you remember, I think I did this with you before, you have five fingers on your hand, well, four fingers and a thumb. Some people will argue about that. But you think about how can I see you, God, at work in my life right now? How can I see the things, God, that you have placed in front of me to be certain of? As I look at all your faces, I'm certain that the body of Christ is in the world. What things can you feel? You know, even like walking over, like I'm so happy my daughter is home from Phoenix, from college. I'm just so delighted, but I could feel her hand. So hug somebody when you're with your family and you're struggling. Get a hug, touch. Even like your clothes, like, yep, God, you've given me clothes today. It's all good. I've got pants on. <laughs> you know, three, no, it's silly, but it's to say, what is real in this moment? Three things that you can taste, two things that you can smell, something that, um, that you can hear, even like, you know, you think about how you might have little kids that might be fighting and yelling, but it's like, yep, I can hear them. God, you've given them to me. They have voices. They can talk, you know, praise them. Go to those times of, of certainty, but just think about what can you be certain of today and pray and think, Lord, I give you the following things to that I am uncertain. And that's going to be those times that you have those deep down times with God to say, yep, Lord, I am not certain of this right now. And this is causing me distress. God, I'm uncomfortable right now because I don't know about this. And God can handle it. He's big enough. He's strong enough. He's got it. Um, today I want to close with a few things before we get to communion. And the, the first one is the Lord's Prayer. And this is one of those solid foundational prayers, but it also speaks to the already and the not yet. Um, I thought about, you know, when 9-11, um, when that day that that happened, and there was that plane that crashed um, into the field, and this man named Todd Beamer, I think his name was, he was the one that was on the phone with the radio operator, and he asked her to pray the Lord's Prayer with him. And I remember I was, you know, younger at the time, but I was like, the Lord's Prayer? That's what he wanted to pray? But it, it reminded me of how we come back to, that is our foundational, um, this is true, this is real, this is what I can remember, and it's true about who God is, what he's doing and what we can trust him in the day-to-day. -day. And I wanted to um, close the sermon time with the Lord's Prayer. And so if you'll say this with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, the, our time of communion reminds us um, of what Jesus said. He told his disciples he, as he was breaking bread with them for the Last Supper, he said, I will not eat this meal with you again until all things come into the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus reminded them that they were in the, they were in the right now, but there was something more to come. Um, when I grew up in church, in a Lutheran church, we always would sing, um, our pastor sang to us, I'm not singing to you because I'm not good at it, but um, you'll all be happy for that. But he would say, this is the feast of victory for our God. For the lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia. So Jesus is here present with us and he is also waiting for us for the feast to come and I hope that gives you hope today as I invite you to the table. Um, We're just gonna say this um, prayer of confession as we come to the table. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We pray you in your mercy, forgive what we have been, Amend what we are, direct what we will be, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as, I, as Jamie reminded you, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, forgive you of your sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, as I um, join you to believe or to say with me in the bold print, friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.